Hello everyone, I'm Ellis Traub and this is Money, Business and More. Today we're going to stray away from money and business and talk about something that's definitely in the more territory. Although our topic deals with something that affects all of us as entrepreneurs, it's more in the life coaching or psychological arena. And it even borders on the political climate, although politics is definitely off-limit in this venue, and you'll never hear me discuss anything here that should be construed or could be construed as political. What I want to talk about today is how to deal with the dark clouds of pessimism that tend to steal the happiness that we've been accustomed to in times past and which seems to have stolen the oxygen from our daily lives. Back in the day, and that's where I come from, being an old guy, our days were punctuated with laughter. Hardly a day went by without at least a few laughs. Whether it was jokes that we shared, the puns that we groaned at and grudgingly laughed about, or those risque jokes that took five minutes to tell and wound up with an unexpected punchline we guffawed about. We found plenty to enjoy in whatever social circumstances we found ourselves in. And except for the stand-up comedy of the likes of Don Rickles, some of you may remember him, or the roasts that occasionally honored our celebrities, it was all upbeat and certainly not mean-spirited. So what happened to our sense of humor? Why is it that so many of the laughs we hear today are at someone else's expense and why do we go through day after day looking for something to cheer us up or tickle our fancies? My theory is that it's because we're assailed on a daily basis with a relentless barrage of things to worry about. Today, if it's not the coronavirus that threatens world health, the conflicts that threaten world peace, or just being able to make and keep enough money to live out our years in comfort, it seems always to be something that prevents us from ending our day with a smile and looking forward to the day ahead. So in the interest of trying to resurrect for our listeners a recollection of those times, I'm going to venture into this territory and see if I can't come up with some ways that we can overcome this malaise and add a little joy to our lives. The first thing I'm going to do is address this issue head-on and offer a prescription that will work if you use it, even if you have to fake it till you make it. Long ago, before there was television, my family and I used to sit on the floor cross-legged and watch the radio. In those days, we had to use our imaginations and, aided by clever sound effects, picture what was going on. Now, of course, Television has generally robbed us of the ability or the need to imagine anything because it's all there in living color. So, even though what you're about to hear was initially presented on television, I'm going to take you back to a time when you had to picture it in your mind's eye. This means that every one of you listening will have a different view of it based on your own experience. So let me set the stage for you. Picture a psychiatrist's office. In it, there's a desk, a couch, 
a large chair behind the desk and another chair in front of it. The scene opens with an office door on the left opening and a young lady walking through it. On the other side of the office is a small laboratory where a balding man with a furrowed brow is drying his hands as he turns to greet the young lady who is obviously a patient. She speaks as she walks past the couch and approaches the desk. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, C come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Still uh, being buried alive in a box. Yes, yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And, uh, and let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge five dollars for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can, I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full, uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in, in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow, okay. And, uh, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <clears throat> go. Well, tell what? me. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry. Stop it! Stop it! Yes. S T O P. New word. I T. <laughs> So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. <laughs> stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> Yes. Then stop it! I, I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. No, we, we, we don't go there. Just, just stop. So 
so I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good girl. Well, it's only been it's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. Well, I, I only have a five, so. Well, I I don't I don't make change. Then I I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> Whew, uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! Not of some kind. Don't don't do that. But I'm I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me. No fatty. no no no. No, we we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. Just, just stop it. What, what, what else? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! You, you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. Don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh -huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! How, how are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you, you kook! Stop it! You stop it! You stop it! What's, what's the problem, Catherine? I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And and you and you don't you don't like that. No, I don't. So you think we're we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me uh, let me uh, give you 10 words that I I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Ready? Mm -hmm. All right, here are the ten words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box! So there's the first suggestion I have to offer to help you get over feeling bad. Stop it! It's not as bad as you think. Just stop it. Hopefully you just had your first laugh of the day, if you haven't already had something to make your day more pleasant. Bob Newhart, the comedic genius who used pauses and telephone conversations that left the other end of the conversation up to your imagination to get his laughs, makes a good point. In fact, if you want to spend a few more minutes enjoying humor when you didn't need four-letter words or hurtful one-liners to get a laugh, just go to YouTube and search for names like Carol Burnett, Tim Conway, or others like them. Unlike Newhart's, their comedy was visual. They were the giants of the television era. But guess what? Even though you could see everything, every raised eyebrow, frown, or pratfall, their visual comedy still left everything to your imagination because you now had to guess what they were thinking. And that still reached into the depths of your creative mind to surprise and shock you and make you laugh. 
Let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Did you know that you have access to a personal mentor to help you with your business issues? Whether you're starting a new business or trying to improve the way an existing business runs, you'll find them at SCORE.org. This is the website for SCORE, the Service Corps of Retired Executives. It's an arm of the U.S. Small Business Administration and consists of thousands of volunteers in more than 300 cities across the United States. And the best part is that their services are offered at no cost to you. At SCORE.org, you can enter your zip code and find a list of local mentors, each showing his or her areas of expertise. And you can schedule your own appointment at a convenient time and location. SCORE also offers a variety of regular workshops presented by professionals in their fields. You can see a current schedule of those events and pre-register on the spot. Some general classes are offered free of charge, while others have a modest fee, which is usually discounted for pre-registration. Check it out! SCORE is the place to go to find someone whose experience may be just what you need. So enough already with comedy, because this discussion of our state of mind is a serious matter, and one we need to give close attention to, because the deep funk our society is in eats away at our souls and is the opposite of the pursuit of happiness the declaration that gave this country its independence assured us of. And that's no play on words. Independence is a key word in getting over this sense of foreboding. What I'm talking about now is independence of thought. Because when you think of it, most of what causes us to be down is listening to others who are relentlessly telling us how life is instead of being independent of them and asking ourselves how good our lives are. The fact is that by any metric you might care to consider, our lives are better today than they've ever been before. This has less to do with political issues than it does with maybe technology. Do we live better than we have before? Most of us certainly do. We are exponentially dematerializing, demonetizing, and democratizing just about every facet of our lives. What do I mean by that? Well, let's just think about it. Dematerializing means reducing or eliminating the amount of space something takes. It wasn't that long ago that if we wanted to look something up, we had to go to an encyclopedia that occupied several feet of a bookcase, or go to a library. Now we can just ask Siri or Alexa. Poof! Gone! The means to access it is in our pockets or purses, but the information comes from all over the world. What's more, not only do we no longer have to own a bookcase to hold all of those books, we don't have to buy them. I remember paying $650 for the Encyclopedia Britannica way back when. That's a lot of money. And after a year, the information wasn't even up to date anymore. So that was demonetized because we don't even pay for that information. It comes with our phone along with a voice to give us the answer to those questions. And when we pay less and less for things, more and more people have access to them. That's what we mean by democratizing them. All of these things are happening exponentially, with exponential speed. That means that the speed at which this happens is accelerating at a dizzying pace. So just about anything you can think of is going through the same process. Communication, retail experience, 
health care, education, transportation. Heck, it wasn't all that long ago that horsepower literally came from horses. That changed in my father's generation, and in your parents' generation, people got to cross the ocean in the same time that it took their parents to travel to town to the market. What's in store for you in just the next 10 years is even more exciting. And you'll be able to go to the other side of the planet in the same length of time. And you'll be able to call a car to pick you up and sleep or watch a show or whatever it takes while you're getting there with no driver. Going to work later in this decade will be virtual. Talk about demonetizing, dematerializing, and democratizing. You'll be able to meet with your colleagues from all over the country in a virtual conference room while you're sitting in your own living room. No dollars or time spent getting there, and you can do it in your pajamas if you like, so no fancy clothes to buy. So don't let anyone tell you that your life is not good and getting better all the time, because it is, in every place you want to look. Okay, you might say, how about all those people who live in poverty? I feel bad about them. Well, we'll always have someone else who doesn't live as well as we do. And if you feel strongly enough about it, then you should reach out yourself and do something about it. But again, you should be independent and think about yourself first, don't you think? After all, if you're doing well, you're in a better position to help other people. But when you stop to think about it, even poverty is decreasing in quantum leaps. In our country, which is vastly different from elsewhere in the world, most of the poorest of us have a roof over their heads, affordable power and light, refrigeration for their food, food in their stomachs, and more than a half of them have color television and cars. Compare that with the richest people in the world only a century and a half ago, whose money couldn't buy that stuff because those things weren't even invented yet. Well, you might say that some people are just luckier than we are, but I challenge that notion. Just about 20 years ago, I was ruminating about some of the same issues I'm talking about now, and for the same reason. When I was inspired to write a little piece that might be appropriate for this occasion, it's titled, Do We Really Make Our Own Luck? And it goes like this. Life is just a finite number of perishable moments. They whiz by, vanish as quickly as they come, are irretrievable. But they leave in their wakes an accumulation from which our epitaphs are eventually carved. For all of us, each moment contains its measure of good and bad. We therefore have a finite number of choices which to embrace, empower, savor, and keep, or which to diminish, reject, discard, and forget. Making those choices makes our luck. Even good and bad are relative, not absolute. I age, my eyesight decays, and I require glasses to read. Another is blind and can barely make out light and shadow. To recognize the good, I must be grateful I'm not blind. For that blind person, good is not being totally in the dark. With equal gratitude, we both embrace the good in every moment. We are both lucky. 
no matter how extreme might be the good or bad. Pollyanna was lucky. In the depths of poverty, we can hope, seek, and seize opportunity, or wallow in misery, blame others, and find excuses for failure. In the bosom of wealth, we can be grateful and enjoy sharing, or we can be envious, greedy, and perpetually dissatisfied. It's as easy for a poor person to be lucky as it is for a wealthy person not to be. It's entirely up to us, our choice, period. I think, I hope you get the message. So I'm not going to talk about religion any more than I'll talk about politics. But I think it's important to accept the fact that whoever created us, and all I know is that it had to be someone or something a lot smarter than I am, didn't put us on this earth to be unhappy, much less to make others that way. So if we fulfill our destinies the way we should, we'll make the most of these moments we've been given to be grateful for everything that's good, do our best to take advantage of every opportunity to make things better for ourselves and those we know and love, ignore those who would try to make us do otherwise, and finally, if we find we can't help but be pessimistic and look at the dark side of our lives, just stop it. <laughs>